Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that explores the breadth of human fandom. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to attempt to answer the question, should we get emotionally attached to fictional characters? Here with me to answer that question are Nick T. Yo! And Nick Z. Uh, hoi hoi. So, gentlemen, is it reasonable to cry over anime boys, which is a thing I've definitely never done? Yes, I think it is. What? Even if those anime boys are printed onto a body-sized pillow. This episode is already taking a turn that I hadn't anticipated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's, there's the classic 2D is greater than 3D. Am I right, guys? The what now? <laughs> oh, boy. I, I have also <laughs> not heard that before, but feel like I know where it's going. No, okay. We're not going in that direction today. Cool. I mean, it goes without saying that we do get attached to fictional characters. That is not in question. By the same kind of, in the same kind of vein, like those fictional characters don't even need to say things. And I don't mean mute characters, or I mean, I, I don't mean characters that can't speak. All it takes is any number of different Pixar animated shorts to know that you can get very invested in something that isn't even human. Oh, yeah. And even something that isn't on screen for very long. But most stuff in Pixar movies aren't human, but still very emotionally engaging. Yeah. In your 15 or 10 minute short before the story starts. You can watch Olaf frantically try to get his carrot nose before Sven tries to eat it before Frozen was a thing. So none of that's in question, as you said. It's should we get attached to fictional characters? Z answers yes. I also answer yes, because what's any different between a fictional character and a real one? I mean, to you, like consuming media, theoretically, for the most part, nothing is different. Like most people, you most real people you won't meet. Uh, same with fictional characters. So, like, to a certain extent, it doesn't matter. But, like, I'm not just talking about you go on an emotional journey with the characters in the movie or TV show or whatever. Because that's, like, part of the story of what you're, what you're experiencing. I've become invested in characters to the point where I am, like, I am rooting for them <laughs> rather than enjoying their part in the narrative. Like, I am upset if they die, even if them dying was, like, the perfect thing to happen in the narrative. Okay, I'm way, 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 way behind on my my hero academia, <laughs> but I'm guessing mm-hmm. it'd be like, okay, Deku's not a good idea because everybody hates Deku. Yeah. Let's say you liked him and he he died and it made sense narratively, then you'd be extremely upset that your favorite character died. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's a harder question to answer. So not just watching media with like a heart of stone, but just like becoming really invested in like this character's continued existence. And like when you're watching a show and where, where it's an ensemble, you're like, yes. This character gets a moment or gets to say something or gets to be in the spotlight briefly, regardless of how good or bad it is. It's that uncritical character love. I think it makes sense that it happens with, uh, with certain characters. I mean, like, for me, the, the question is, would it be any different if it was somebody who was like that character that you happened to meet in real life? If they were, in, if that character was in real life, not specifically that character, but somebody with those characteristics that, that draw you to that character. Would you enjoy being in that person's presence? Would you be rooting for them in the same way? Or do you have that attachment because they are fictional characters? I mean, there has to be some sort of disconnect, right? Because a lot of people love villains. True. And, uh, you know, if you're hanging out with a villain in real life, you probably wouldn't, wouldn't want to be in their company. Taking a, a small tangent into storytellingville and media historyville, many people can love villains and many villains, especially if you look at like Disney villains and historical Disney villains, tend to be coded queer. I mean, there is that aspect. Mm-hmm. 
So in, in that particular, like very narrow perspective, you could say, oh, well, people identify because, with the villains because the villains are more like them <laughs> than the main characters are. But taking a different tack and maybe not one that's so heavily dependent on coding, today, uh, a lot of the writing in stories we'd, we'd argue is better. We've said that in a, a couple different episodes. And that means usually the villains have things that are relatable, even if they are, say, megalomaniacs or do some pretty extremely problematic stuff. But there's still parts that are relatable because that's what my character's interesting. Yeah, there's there's less villains just being a combination of undesirable traits that wouldn't be an actual person. And more like, you can see why the villain is doing the things that they're doing, even if he wouldn't do that. It's, it's you know, opaque versus clear motivation. And maybe even vibe with that motivation or vibe with something about the character in so that you, you know, you kind of wrap your own identity up with this character because of certain characteristics. So it's, it makes you feel personally invested in, well, if that character is doing well, then it must mean that, like, must mean that it's better for me. In that sense, doesn't that mean that the characters you find yourself getting attached to are just like sort of the perfect proxy character to get you into the story? If you see them doing well, you feel you're doing well as a result, you're going to want to keep watching the show. I think what G's saying is he secretly found a life hack to be a better human being. Trick yourself into getting attached to a character that keeps improving themselves. And then when they do better, you'll feel better and vice versa. It's got it all figured out. So say you do that. Say you find that character that makes you feel like you can improve and, and makes you take some action and, and you feel better about yourself because this character is, is doing well and because you, you identify with them. Guess what? You're not in charge of what happens to that character somebody else's what do you do then i think we've gone on at some length about fanfic (laughs) (laughs) and then deku is super awesome and his bones heal faster than um wolverine and (laughs) and nobody can stop him and he's so good because all might taught him all the great things and also all might's my dad too (laughs) (laughs) like no no criticism against fanfic i was just just riffing a little bit I mean, I think I think it's really good that people get attached to characters because that probably has some indication about the quality of the rating. It's hard to get attached to something that's crappy. I mean, that's true. I have cried at crappy movies before, but it is much harder to feel to like to feel to identify with a character who's not written well or presented poorly. Also, I feel like there's a very popular Tumblr post that makes its way around from time to time talking about how humans can empathize with literally anything (laughs) (laughs) i think i believe i've seen that yeah i'll I'll see if i can pull it up and uh drop it into the show notes but it it talks about like you know how humans befriend literally every sort of animal on the planet including ones that try to kill it including (laughs) ones that cause harm to it and how humans will empathize with both the animals and also all sorts of different inanimate objects. I mean, we can argue about characters in a TV show, a book, or a movie as having some amount of agency, even though they're, they, they technically don't have any. Like, the book ends, that's, that's it. The character doesn't really exist anymore. They might. That's, like, for the fanfic writers to decide. But, like, humans can empathize with literally anything, and so people can and do get attached to characters in a book. And that's good. That means there's something interesting about them. Yeah. I mean, something's hooked you. And actually, this reminds me, Z, you might have seen this. Um, it's uh, The Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. It's kind of built around this. And I know this from watching a Lindsay Illis video about it. About how the, how this this girl becomes obsessed with this book. And she want, and it's like, I think it ends on a cliffhanger or something. And she yeah. wants to know what happens. And she goes to the, finally finds the author who lives in the Netherlands. And she's from America. She goes to the Netherlands to find this guy. It's like, what happens? And then he's like, nothing. They're characters. They end when the book ends. 
<laughs> she was like, no, that cannot be what happens. But yeah, it's like, it's this thing of like the characters exist for the story, but like sometimes we want the characters to just be. And that's where all, you know, a lot of fan works come from. So we can have this character, this state of being can like continue. And then you have people who argue with each other about, about how the character ought to be, or perhaps who the character should be in a relationship with. Well, shipping worse. That's, that's, that's its own thing. <laughs> I'll make a note of that. Yeah. <laughs> as he was mentioning with like people taking on characters as like a proxy for themselves and taking the idea that, you know, when the book ends, the characters end. I think the reason that so many people get attached is because they want to see good things happen to the character. Because unlike real life, where I have no idea what's going to happen, I don't know if a pandemic is going to change my life forever or inconvenience me for a few weeks. But like with the characters, you already see a trajectory. And even if they, they die in the story, whatever, like you have control over that. I'm like in the in the fan works realm, whereas like in our own lives, we don't. Fictional characters are also characters that we can project our hopes and dreams and expectations onto and that's something that like doesn't always line up with real life i don't know if i'm going to get a promotion at work i don't know when like i don't know what the future holds but like i can make up stuff for my characters because they're fictional yeah literally anything can happen to them and in some cases does should batman meet up with captain america i don't know i don't know if they should but (laughs) i think it's happened i don't know if we should but we should do that just smash the action figure figures together Oh, I should have picked Superman. Superman would have made more sense. I suppose so. They have similar color schemes. We've talked about this a little bit before, but I suppose it also, like, if you make it known, like, to other friends who kind of know what the thing is on your, with your preferred media, it kind of indicates something about you. If you kind of splash up, you know, how much you love X character. Ah, yeah. When we were talking about identification and like, oh, does this mean anything if you identify with this fandom or whatever? Uh, the answer being no, but like that doesn't matter because to your friends that actually might mean something. If you associate with, I don't know, one of the umpteen people in Fushigi man, I'm dating myself. We all know what Fushigi is. Or better examples, like one of the characters from My Hero Academia. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, geez, such a Deku. And then like I get murdered or something. <sighs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that will happen. But like the dirty secret, at least for me, is I tend to pick the character before I know them. Like, I'm watching whatever it is, and I'm like, yeah, I think it's going to be you. <laughs> I did I did that with Danke Kaminari in My Hero Academia. I did that with the Fifth Doctor in Doctor Who. <laughs> I saw a picture of, of the Fifth Doctor on Wikipedia. I'm like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Not that it changes that much, but, like, this is an attachment that isn't just, like, uh, based on attraction, right? No, it's not. I, like, for some people, especially when you're talking about, like, uh different gacha games like uh games that you oh. play on your phone that are like random yeah i think like some popular ones are like grand blue fantasy where there's just like lots of hot characters i mean that is definitely a possible influence and like i'm i'm judging based on the way they look but not necessarily like like attraction just like i like your style you know um i mean like I like a kind of attraction i suppose but it, it it could start that way as well like oh man is this guy is pretty hot and then you find out you're very they're very invested in their in their uh in their arc and their interactions. They can start with pretty much anything to get you in the door. Then once you've begun caring about this character, uh you watch the thing and you get a lot of experience caring about this character and then you're in it. That almost that makes me think about sports a little bit. I mean it's mm-hmm. it's definitely not the same because like well actually there's 
more than I think about it, there's some similarities there. Like I'm thinking about anime characters and sports and like you have your favorite team, which in this case would be your favorite character or best girl slash best boy. Yep. Uh, slash best non-binary person. I'm most used to hearing like best girl and worst girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people have that with sports too. And there's not like any particular rhyme or reason because in an anime, it's not like, oh, this is the hometown character. You know, my good old buddy from Kansai, Japan, a place that yep. I am definitely from. Yep. <laughs> so you don't have that connection, but you do have this like not entirely rational kind of just come together situation where, yeah, I'm really attached to this team. I don't know why, but I am. And there's other teams or characters that I just don't care for and I hope would die. Yeah. And I remember like I was never super big into sports, but like I used to have like, you know, mini sticks and stuff might be a Canadian kid thing, but I definitely had some and it's like, well, what team do you want? And I'm like, eh, that one. People be like, why'd you pick that? I'm like, I like the colors. And it sounds really dumb, but I feel like maybe that's how it starts for a lot of people. Like, it's just one little insignificant detail. But once you start the process of caring about this thing, you've started it. And every time you interact with it, you reinforce it to the point where you don't need to be watching or experiencing the thing anymore to care about that thing or character or team or whatever. You've taken that away and it's a part of you now. And if you recognize it for what it is, that's not a problem. Actually, the more that you mentioned it, sorry, I can't believe that we haven't talked about cosplay at all. There's that. People don't tend to cosplay characters that they don't like. <laughs> yeah, no. Sometimes people cosplay as different characters because they're like, this is more challenging. Or I kind of like this character. Or they kind of look like me. But usually it's like, oh man, when this character showed up, I was hyped and I had to make a costume for this character. I had to be this character. <laughs> you can't get closer to being a character really than that. When you look into a mirror and you see the character staring back at you, that's pretty much it. That's that's the closest you get to embodying that character. Yeah, not that it's about embodiment necessarily. Some people just really like different characters. They really like uh, Frodo. I don't know. <laughs> Homer. <laughs> Homer. Lisa. Yeah. They like the dog from Family Guy. These are beloved characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a variety of ways into like celebrating you know the character that you're into there's there's cosplay there's fanfic there's fan art there's folders on your phone which you may or may not have <laughs> you, know, you could make a little you make a little shrine in your room you could have clothing that is like theirs or has them on it um yeah. you know and any way you can most ways you can celebrate a show you can celebrate a character in the same way depending on how esteemed they are in the eyes of the property that they're in and how popular they are in viewer polls. <laughs> yeah. The My Heart Damien manga has like a, a yearly viewer poll. Mm-hmm. A reader poll, I should say, as to who the top 20 popular characters are. I don't know how everybody manages to get it wrong every year, but they do. <laughs> so we know that like, obviously liking a fictional character, good or bad, uh, like, sorry, good or evil, doesn't matter. We know that it doesn't matter if they speak. It doesn't literally matter anything. There's almost anything that could tie you to that character that could bring you into the story and get on board with that character. But I think one thing that we've missed and it's the most important part is that gee, we're learning an awful lot about you in ways that I never believed would happen. And so if you really want to know if you like a character or not, you should start a podcast because then you will learn so much about how much you do or don't care about a character. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, I guess I've just been talking talking a lot of stuff about characters that about this episode. <laughs> <laughs> this was a bottle episode about <laughs> you. Basically. <laughs> I mean, I feel like they've all been bottle episodes about me, but I mean, only <laughs> time will tell. Maybe I'm someone's favorite character. Oh, man. Spoilers for the end of Phantropological. <laughs> so that's going to wrap it up for us this time. If you have a fictional character that you're obsessed about and would like to let us know, please email us nick at thenixcast.com and I will let you know if you were wrong or not. <laughs> if you'd like to interact with the show, please do so at Phantropological on Facebook or at Phantropologic on Twitter. If you want to see what the three of us are up to, otherwise, just search us at the Cast anywhere on the internet. As for our individual projects, I can be found making music under the name Fragile Air, and you can find all my music over at fragileair.bandcamp.com. Stay tuned, there's more coming. If you want to know what I'm up to, you can check out one of two projects. One, you can check out The Race Against Time at twitch.tv slash theraceagainsttime. What is it? It is a charity live streaming marathon where we play through Chrono Trigger, beat all of its endings, and probably do some other cool stuff with friends. Leading up to the main event, every Tuesday, we will also be playing other games, also raising money for a different charity, and it'll be a different game each week. What game will it be? You will have to check out us on Facebook or Twitter to find out. Other than that, I also do another podcast with G, and occasionally Z, and sometimes other people now that I think about it, which you can find at zealarchives.com. It is a podcast covering the A to Z of the world of Chrono Trigger. Every week, we cover a different topic in the world of Chrono Trigger. And that episode comes out on opposite weeks to Phanthropological, leading up to the race against time. And as for me, you can find my uh, my start in self-publishing over on any Amazon of your choosing by simply going to that search bar, typing in Beowulf, a mostly modern verse translation, or typing in NSC Zakarwitz, and it will come right up there for you. Also, if you are a member of the uh, mildly popular Amazon Prime, you can also uh, borrow the book for free from KDP Select. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. And until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Breaking news. We have a special announcement from the Epic Film Guys. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.